0: Good morning, everyone. It is the 4th of April. My name is Lorna Denny, and I'm joined today by Niall McDonnell and Alex Byrne. Equity markets largely continue to make up ground after falling following the invasion of Ukraine, although the S&P 500 closed the quarter down almost 5%. We will come on to energy markets shortly, but the bond markets, more specifically the US Treasury markets, continue to flash warning signals, now.
1: Good morning, Lorna. Yes, quarter one 2022 was one of the worst quarters on record fixed income. I think most bond investors are just glad to see the back of it. Focusing on government-issued debt, the focus of combating inflation by hiking interest rates has induced bond prices to fall significantly. Bond prices and interest rates are inversely related. So when central banks are raising interest rates, bond prices fall. But what has some market participants unnerved is the warning sign you alluded to, an inverted yield curve. So this is when interest rates are lower in the longer term than they are in the shorter term. And if you think about this logic If you lend someone money for a longer period of time, you expect a higher rate of interest. So interest rate curves are typically upward sloping. So the US, as of this morning, the US three-year interest rate was 2.66%, but the 10-year interest rate is 2.4%. So from the three-year point onwards, interest rates are lower, so downward sloping from this 10-year, and the curve is inverted.
0: Remind us then, what is the likely message of that inversion?
1: Yes, why is this important? When a yield curve inverts, it means that bond markets think that interest rates will go higher in the near term, but that the economy will suffer and that interest rates ultimately may have to come back down to combat stagnant growth. Now, historically, this has been a relatively good indicator of a recession. In the 28 times that the yield curve has inverted since the 1900s, 22 of those times there's been a recession. But the one point is it doesn't give indication of when this might occur. So, for example, in 2006, the five-year to 30-year point of the U.S. Treasury curve inverted, but we didn't have a recession for another two years till 2008.
0: Indeed. And what about the inflation signals from the U.S.
1: then? Yes, indeed. Inflation in the U.S. and globally continues to run very hot. So the U.S. PCE inflation came in at 6.4% for February. So this is a multi-decade high.
0: Yes, and it's worth reminding people that the Fed's target for PCE inflation is, in fact, 2%. The Fed's other mandate, though, is unemployment, and the March number saw a further decline in the unemployment rate, pointing to very tight conditions in the labour market.
1: Yes, Friday's job report came in stronger than expected with a decline in unemployment rate from 3.8% to 3.6% and a further rise in labour force participation. The Fed has continually referenced this, the tightness of the labour market, and is one of the factors that is enabling them to hike interest rates. So the fed has this so-called dual mandate it's to maximize employment and maintain stable prices through its monetary policy so with the strength of the labor market and inflation running so hot this allows them to hike interest rates or to put it another way if we had a very weak labor market or we saw a material deterioration in the labor market we likely would not see such an aggressive hiking schedule
0: yes thank you for that Alex, supply chain difficulties are another factor pushing prices higher and this is very much a global phenomenon it seems.
2: That's right, Lorna. Inflation's clearly not just a US issue at this time. It's spreading globally, and the picture of where inflation's coming from is broad. There are particular spikes, but overall price increases are across multiple different elements. Those supply and chain pressures you mentioned are also having an effect. Thinking back before the war in Ukraine, price increases were expected to subside in the back end of this year, but still remain elevated. When we add the uncertainty caused to supply chains after the invasion, things are only expected to get worse for longer. Supply chain pressures could be blamed for the drop in China's Caixin PMI, To 48.1 versus consensus 49.9. More specifically, delivery times from suppliers have lengthened, possibly COVID or transportation issues from longer transit or unavailable routes now. Some product shortages, there are underlying factors.
0: The key driver of inflation must be surging energy prices. And despite OPEC's description of the oil market as well balanced last week, oil hit a 14 year high. This prompted action from President Biden.
2: It did. So, after discussion with domestic suppliers, as well as Iran and Venezuela, as well as OPEC, the US has begun to release oil from strategic reserves. These are barrels that the US holds in storage in case of significant emergency situations. This has calmed the market somewhat, and oil fell overall over the week, but the overall effect is small relative. Releasing around one third of the strategic oil reserves over the next six months equates to around 1 million barrels a day extra supply.
0: And that's about 1% of oil demand on a global basis. And in Europe, there have been developments on the Russian natural gas story.
2: That's right, a game of chicken between Russia and the EU started. President Putin has demanded payment in rubles for oil reserves. The EU has stated that this amounts to blackmail on previously agreed contracts. The potential outcome is that German homes and companies face rationing of gas in the very near future. Some partial respite may be on this, given Europe begins to move into spring and Europe continues to develop solutions somewhat and fully for both the short and long-term replacement of Russian gas. All this in the short term, however, continues to put pressure on gas prices.
0: It does, and it's hard to see an easy solution to this one it is yeah in the short term at least
2: russia desperately needs the revenues though as by far the largest input to its economy and given the time has already come and gone for payments the eu overall looks to have the initial upper hand russia could continue its typical petty approach causing ad hoc shortages or start a strategic climb down with continued threats but overall flows continue long term the huge shot in the foot russia's created continues to worsen for itself
0: it does indeed. And in the week ahead, then, we have minutes of the March Fed meeting. They will draw a great deal of interest, as this, of course, is when interest rates were finally raised. We also have some key data from Germany, Alex.
2: We do. We've got German factory orders and some important export data. These are very good insights into the underlying health of this major manufacturing economy. Numbers are expected to moderate somewhat, but remain healthy considering the overall context of what we're in.
0: And more PMI data from the major economies. Any thoughts there, Niall?
2: Yes, we have Spanish, Italian,
1: French, German, and Euro area PMIs to be released on Tuesday. So expectations are some softening of the PMIs, notably in Spain and Italy. And there has been some indications that the Ukrainian war is impacting sentiment.
0: And I have no doubt you'll be keeping a close eye on the Treasury bond markets.
1: Yes, indeed. Within Architas, we've positioned our portfolios underweight in government bonds. So this has been a key area of focus. One point that we're assessing is how the longer dated US government bonds will respond when the Fed unwinds its balance sheet from the quantitative easing programme, this arguably could lead to higher longer term interest rates and may remove
0: the inverted yield curve that we are seeing. Thank you both very much indeed. Thank you Lorna. Thank you Lorna.